0: going on because I can't, I can't there. see anyone. Ayo, right, let's, let's give Ayo a round of applause. Woo! Wow. Okay, so. Well then, it's different, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Can anyone even see me? Probably not. Yeah. Just about. Um, well, quite clearly, uh, we apologise. Because <laughs> 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 uh, that obviously wasn't meant to happen. Um, but you know what, church, yeah, we get on with it and we, we keep moving um, through the fog and the mist. <laughs> um, you know what, I was, it's pretty cool actually, I don't mind being on here, actually, might do it every week. Um, but I was praying and thinking about what to talk about this morning because we usually have a um, series and then we've come to a break in. In that chain and so where we are now is we say okay God what are you saying we do that every way every every time we have a series but obviously this time around it's a bit different Um, I might stay here for a minute because I don't know where the fog is and where it isn't Um, and so as I was praying I felt that God wants to give us strategies for winning God wants to give us things from his word about how we succeed Um, and if when I said that your mind went to finances and money let me correct you yeah Mm -hmm. succeeding and winning in life is not about what's in your bank account it's not about what car you drive or what job you do or what level of quote-unquote influence from a world's perspective you have That's not what winning looks like in the Bible, yeah? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying money's not important, yeah? Because we read in the Old Testament how when they were building the temple, people brought jewels and precious jewels to build the temple, yeah? yeah? So money has its place and it's important. But this is not what we're talking about this morning. Um, And so turn with me to the Gospel of John. um, And we're going to read from verse... 1 through to 18. Um, But as you're doing that, I think it'll be good for us to pray um, once again. Sound good? To two people. Anyway, we'll pray anyway. (laughs) Um, God, we come before you again. Um, To be fair, it's, it's probably appropriate that we refocus and we look to you once again. God, and as we open up your word and see what you have to say to us, your people, God, we ask that you will prepare our hearts and open our hearts to hear from you, that we will go out from this place changed, oh God, that we will see something of you through your word. Amen. 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 So the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And we'll read from verse 1 through to 18. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees before because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are also not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. Amen. I guess you're saying, what's that got to do with us winning and succeeding in life? <laughs> but we're going to go through it, and I pray that as we do that, God will Um, illuminate some things in your heart so let's read again verse 1 through 3 1 to 3 it says truly truly I say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out that's important Verse 4 then says, When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Again, that's important. Take note of 3 and 4 and verse 5, which says, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. You know, there have been studies that focus on how many adverts as adults we see a day. In the same way, there have been studies that, that have tried to ascertain as adults how many decisions we make in a single day. And they show that in terms of adverts, we see between four and 10,000 adverts a day. And whilst it's estimated that as adults, we make around 35,000 decisions a day. And all these decisions are about what? What we need, where we need to go, what we need to be doing, um, what we need to be. And you see, in life, accumulation of these wrong decisions will lead us to places where we ought not to be. And so we read in verse 3 that the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and does what? He leads them out. And so what I will start off by saying is that if you're in a situation and you don't know where you're going, the question is, have you and do you know the voice of God? Have you heard it and do you know it? Because if we don't hear the voice of God, how can we go where he's leading us? But before that, if we don't know the voice of God, how can we distinguish what the voice of God is from these 35,000 other decisions that we're going to hear on a daily basis? And so I'm reminded of a recent situation for myself where I had a decision to make. And I'm still going through it. But my prayer was God. Let me hear your voice in this situation. Because you go through life. And you have experience. And your experience tricks you. To the point where you think that you know it all. Or you know enough. That you can make decisions and decide where you need to go. But for me what was crucial was. God I want to be where you would have me be. When you would have me be there. And I want to work from your grace and not your mercy what's the difference the difference is the mercies of God is God I've done something I ought not to do save me and pull me out yeah. and God's mercy are new every morning amen yeah. and so w- there is that forwards. but I'll be honest I'd rather work from the grace of God which is the strength of God for where I need to be yeah. and so if God's given me his grace it tells me that I'm where he would have me be so when I'm making decisions I'm saying God I want to hear your voice I think I know what I want to do, but if I make a decision, I'll end up like Abraham, which is I will bring into my family someone or something that ought not to be and we'll spend years trying to fix that that issue. And so that's why it's important if we're going to succeed and win in life that we hear the voice of God for wherever we are. We read then in verse 4, it says, When he has brought us, brought out all his own, he goes before them. Again, think about that for a second. Because oftentimes we can feel like we're alone. You're in a situation, a difficult situation, and it feels like you're alone. But in actuality, what it means is that we need to seek again the voice of God. Because the Bible tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now what does that mean? If it says he won't leave you, it means that you're actually never alone if you're a child of God. No matter where you go and where you find yourself, he is with you. Even in the dark times, he is with you. And then what does it mean to not forsake? Forsake essentially means to abandon. So that tells you that he goes with you where you are and he does not abandon you. There are people in our lives that we, we, we relied on and they're not doing what they used to do. There are people that we used to turn to and we were close with and all of a sudden they're no longer there to support us in the way that we thought they would. Man will fail us, but what we hit see here in the Bible is that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so what we say is that God will always be with us and he will never abandon us regardless of the situation. And so what we can have is confidence like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So that when we're in the fiery situation, we can have confidence that our God is with us. He won't leave us or abandon us. And we can have confidence of that. And so when we read that he goes before us, who's, um, who's ever seen those Google map cars? You've seen them? That drive the streets and they... The, the, with the camera on top yeah. why do they do that they go before you so that when you get your phone out and you tap in the coordinates someone's already been there to tell you where you need to go right and so the bible tells us that our god goes before us yeah. our god is, has created time he's at the beginning and the end of time and he knows the way to go yeah. and so what we need to do is dial in the right coordinates yeah. and so we can follow where he's leading us In the same way that you, I don't know, wherever you go and you dial in your coordinates and you follow that. And that's important, isn't it? Because when you dial in the coordinates, which is Jesus help me. God help me. (laughs) Yeah? When you dial in those coordinates, you're not saying God help me but I've got a better idea and I'm going to take half of your idea and and couple it with mine because we make a good team. (laughs) What you're saying is God help me and lead me. And no matter where he leads you, you follow. And so if you're here this morning and you're feeling things aren't working out in your life, I'll say it's one of two things. You either need to start following or you need to trust that as you continue following, that the one that works out all things in your favour will continue to show you the way. Amen. Amen. And so what we see is that if we're going to succeed in life, then we need to get good at following. We need to be good at following instructions that come from God. But that's contrary to our nature. It's contrary to what we get taught. It's contrary to the things that we see when we turn on the television because we see that we're in control. Or at the very least, we ought to be. Because you hear these people that talk about, oh, it's your life, it's your decisions, you make it, you did it, it's all on you. And then we turn to the word of God and it says, no, 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 it's all on me. Follow me, I go before you and I'll lead the way for you to go. Amen. Reading on to verse four, it says, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse 5 says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Why is that important? It's Because of what we said earlier, isn't it? Because on a day-to-day basis, we're exposed to four to 10,000 adverts about the things that we need. In the same way we're making around 35,000 decisions, I guess that's an average day. When things go a bit west, there's a few more decisions, a few thousand more decisions added on top of that. And so, why is that important? Because these adverts and these decisions, they are voices. And if they're not dialed into the word of God, these voices will lead us astray. These things that come to us will lead us astray and will take us away from where God would have us be. But when we dial into the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and what he's saying, when we're hearing 35,000 decisions, we can tune out the ones that don't align with what God would have us do. Yeah. We can dial out the ones that aren't fitting of what God would, has called us to and what God has directed. And we can say, No, no, no. I know what God is saying. Yeah, yeah. And as in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5, it says, this is interesting, it says the weapons of our warfare, which is basically our fight, yeah? The manner in which we fight is not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse five, it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion (coughs) raised against what? The knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to do what? To obey Christ. Verse 5, it says, we destroy arguments. 35,000 arguments we ought to destroy if they don't align with the word of God. If they don't align with the truth of what we know about God. Because we start with, I don't know, you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram and you're bombarded with adverts. Or you're on a shopping website and you buy a pair of jeans and it says, people like you who have bought this have also bought this other item. (laughs) And then it just so happens that item, oh, that fits my style. Oh, it goes in the basket. Or you get to the supermarket. Do you know why the aisles never stay the same? Behavioural economics, which is basically, I'm going to put things in your way which suggest that you actually need that thing. So you go in well-equipped. You've got your list, 10 things. I'm going to go in, out. Boom, I've got my budget. Before you know it, oh, I forgot. I need those biscuits. The hobnob ones are good. Particularly chocolate hobnob ones. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But all of a sudden... You got to bring out your credit card instead of <laughs> instead of <laughs> the money you took, and they're just trivial things. Dial that up to dial that principle up to more significant decisions. Even though if you're constantly buying things you ought not to do, you you'll soon find yourself with some, some significant decisions. But I don't know. There's a job you want to take. There's a loan that you think you need, you probably don't need it, but you think you need it, so you apply for it, and then you're stuck for five years. Or, life gets tough again. Life gets difficult again. And you find yourself going through a situation that you've been before. And the truth of that situation begins to tell you that maybe God isn't as good as he says he is. Maybe God isn't as faithful as people say it is. Or this happened to me years, years ago. It was, I believe God's good, just not to me. Because for me it was, well, I believe the the Bible, which says God is good. But I'm like, I'm looking at my situations. They ain't changing. They haven't changed for a long time. And so, I believe the Bible says he's good, but surely it's just me. Mm. Corinthians says we need to destroy those arguments. We need to take captive those arguments and all opinions that are raised against the knowledge of God. That are raised against who we know God to be, who he says he is in his Word. And so if we're going to succeed in life, which is if we're going to be where God would have us be and do what God would have us do, we need to learn and understand what his voice is. Verse 7 of um, John chapter 10 says, So Jesus said again, Truly, truly, I say to you, a quick, I guess, theology lesson. Whenever you see repetition in the Bible, it's for emphasis. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, you need to get this in your spirit. In the same way, when we read it, we should take it up. We should take note that we need to get what Jesus is is saying or what the word of God is saying. So it says when we read truly, truly, what he's saying is get this and understand it. So truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Who are the sheep? We're the sheep. Yeah? Tony and Jeff believe it. We're the sheep, amen? Okay. Yes. Okay. And he's the shepherd. And what he's saying is, I am the way, and I'm the one you need to be following. Yeah? Because the characteristic of sheep is that they follow. Yeah? That doesn't mean that, We're all suddenly soft and weak, yeah? So if that grates on you, just understand the concept that it means that we're followers of Jesus Christ if you're saved in here. And so it says, I'm the one you need to be plugged into. I'm the one you need to be dialed into. All this thing is going on around you. The world is going on around you. Life is happening around you. These decisions and these adverts are coming at you a million and one times. But I'm the one you need to be dialed into. Because as I lead you and you follow me, you will be where you need to be. Right. Verse 8 goes on to say, All who came before are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and go out and find pasture. Oh, yeah. That verse is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what's finding pasture? What's that about? See, I love like being in nature, or when you go on a drive sort of like, during the day, and it's a nice sunny day, and you see these sheep, these fields with sheep <laughs> grazing. I, lo- I, I love to see it. maybe I'm I'm a bit odd but it it always draws my attention because that's what it is that's pasture regardless of what's going on around you you will find rest regardless of what's going on around you you will find peace when we talk about going in and going out What does that mean? It means no matter where you go. No matter where you find yourself. And so if life is alright and everything's cool, you will find pasture. If things are on the opposite side of the spectrum, it's possible for you to find pasture and rest even in those situations. Even if things aren't the way you wanted them to be or you thought they should be. Even when you're tired because it's still the same way it's been for years. Even when you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. But still things haven't changed. You can find pasture. You can find rest. You can find and receive all that God has for you. Irrespective of what it looks like. And so we see in verse 9, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Philippians 4 and verse 9 says, God will supply all our needs according to his riches in in glory in Christ Jesus. And so this passage says that if you come in by him, if you are his and you belong to him, this means you're a child of God, you'll go in and you'll go out. And no matter where you are, you will find pasture. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're in a situation. (laughs) Reflexes. (laughs) So, if you're in a situation and you don't have peace. And you don't have that rest. You find yourself restless. You find yourself up at night, unable to sleep for what's going on in your mind. I see that the word of God tells me that that ought not to be the case. And so I would say fundamentally something's wrong because of what we read in verse 9 because of wherever you are we ought to be able to have pasture and peace that peace comes from Christ but it's the basic we need to get back to the basic realisation of who our source is because yes it's right to think about the situations it's right to to give mind to them but to the point where they're robbing you of what God says is rightfully yours which is peace and rest Mm -hmm. something's gone wrong there and so if we find ourselves in a situation where we have no peace and we're restless and we can't, we can't relax and we can't rest, we need to get back to our source. Yeah. We need to get back to the point that says, you know what, God, all that I need comes from you. Yeah. All that I need, you are my supply. It's no longer I, but you that live within me. It's not what I want to do, but what you want to do through me. And God, I'm in this situation. I need your rest. You know, that's a promise of God. And what we're able to do with promises of God is take them back to him and say, God, my situation doesn't look like you said it would. I'm in this situation. I don't have the peace you said I will have. God, I need your peace. And he'll give you direction. And sometimes it'll just be lay at my feet. Because we have a tendency to drop it and go back and pick it back up. We'll be in church and we'll hear a message that says leave it at his feet. And so we'll say, yeah, that's good. God, I'll leave it at your feet. And you leave free because you got prayed for and you came to the front and someone said leave and you left it. And then you get home and the phone goes. And instead of fighting for your peace, You pick it up again. And then the following Sunday, another appeal comes and says, "And it says, who's who's restless? And you come back out again. Or you think, I was out last week, maybe I shouldn't go again. But you've, you've picked it back up. You're holding the weight of your situation. Lay at his feet. And let him bear the weight of your situation. It says, cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Amen. He cares for you. Amen. The cross shows you that he cares for you. Yeah. Verse 10 then says, the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So many of us are in lack, whether mentally, physically or emotionally. And we feel like we've been robbed of our joy or, or what we used to be. You look back and you're like, I'm not the person I used to be. Something has been stolen, something's been taken. And Jesus says, that's the work of the thief. He comes to steal kill and destroy but I come that you might have life and have it abundantly see when I read that I read that there's a choice it says he came that you you, you might have life um, but then it says sorry in it saying that you might have life or you may have life it says it's available for you if only you would receive it it's available for you if only you would do the things that you ought to do. And we've read before that, which is what? Follow Christ. Follow his leading. Get rid of the voices. Get rid of the other things that will, that will speak against who he is. That will speak against what we know of who Christ is. Put those things aside so that you can live the life that God would have for you, which is an abundant life. That's not about finances. The word that's used there in terms of abundant is, is beyond measure is extraordinary. And so I want to live an extraordinary life. Yeah. And so for me, I know that I need to follow. Yeah. Like growing up, it's, it's, this is what a man looks like. A man leads. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Hoorah. <laughs> but you fall into a trap because someone who leads first has to Follow. Good leaders first are good followers. And we have to realise that God is in control of our lives. Mm -hmm. And if he created us, he knows what's right for us. It's pure logic. But yet we confuse it and we mix in our ideas. And we keep sending God suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's my suggestion box. God, have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. Verse 14 says again, I am the good shepherd. What's the implication there? It's saying a hired hand doesn't really care. I'm there because I have to be. See, when I used to work security and I worked my way up to a su- supervisor and people would come up to me and be like, yeah, mate, if it all go- go- kicks off, sorry, I don't know why I did that walk. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, if it all kicks off, what do we do? I'm like, listen, mate, get yourself out of trouble. You don't get paid enough. But that's what he's saying there, right? When trouble comes, a hired hand is like, listen, mate. Nah, mate, get out. Don't be the hero. Yeah? yeah? That's, what, that's what he's saying. Yeah. But the implication there is that he is the good shepherd. Yeah. He's not a hired hand. And so when trouble comes your way, he's not like, see you later, mate. No. He stands beside you. In fact, he gets in front of you. And he fights to fight for you. He stands beside you and he says, this is how you fight. I'm going to give you the weapons that you need to fight. And ultimately, the Bible says we overcome because what? He overcame. And so we know that if we're in situations, if we're in trouble, that we can stand with him because he's already fought for us. Amen. Jumping down to verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Verse 17 says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Why is that important? People will say that Jesus was murdered. I get what they mean, but he wasn't. Because for the most part, when you're, when someone's, not because of experience, I was going to say when when you're murdered, (laughs) but when someone's murdered, it means that someone else took their life from them. They had no choice in the matter. Jesus chose to give his life up for us. Jesus chose to go before us. Jesus chose to die for us. He chose to set aside his deity. He chose to go to the cross. And that choice says that I love you more than you'll ever imagine. That choice says that he was in control. And so if the shepherd has authority, it means that he's in control. And so if we are his, it means that he is still in control. And no matter where you find yourself, you can have confidence that even though it seems beyond your reach, that you serve a God that holds all things in his hands. We have to have that knowledge and that assurance That God is who he says he is. That knowledge and assurance that God is in control of the situations that we face. And so if we're going to succeed, if we're going to win in life, we need to know the God that we serve. The book of Colossians says that all things were made by him and for him. So that says he has all power and all authority. And when we have that assurance of who he is, No matter where we find ourselves this morning or afternoon. There's nothing that we face that is outside of his reach. There's no situation that you face that is outside of his control. It says in Isaiah, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. We have to know that no matter where we are, we're going to find rest. And that God is in control. We have to be 100% convinced of that fact. Because life will tell us otherwise. The voices and the decisions that we make will suggest otherwise. When we're going through tough situations, it says, you know what, the first thing we ought not to do is going." seek counsel from friends and family and your girlies and your lads and say, yeah, what's going on? This situation, what do you think about it? As Tony said before, it's not not wrong to seek counsel. That's not the first place we ought to go. The first place we need to say is, Lord, you know all things. Show me. You know all things. Speak to me. Let me hear your truth on this situation. And then say... Oh, I've, I've been praying. Seek wise counsel, first and foremost. Oftentimes we seek counsel from people that are at the same place we are. It's a blind leading the blind. We seek counsel from those that have gone ahead. Those that we know have, have godly wisdom. and are not just going to say, oh, do this because they, they, they too get emotional and respond in emotion to the situation you've given them. And then they lead you in completely the wrong way. We seek counsel from God because he knows all things. And so, I guess, in closing, how do we succeed? How do we win in life? I think we start with what Barry spoke about last week. I don't think the podcasts are up yet, but we'll get them up. Um, And that's what's your foundation? I will implore you, please listen to the sermon. It was a real, it's like, yeah. What is your foundation? Because if your foundation is Christ, song says, on Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He has to be our foundation. And if he's not, you ought to make him that. The second thing is what Vicky preached on. We have to live righteously. We have to live a right life. The reason being because in righteous living, there's shelter. When we follow what God would have us do, there is shelter and protection for us. When we step outside of that, then we're pulling on the mercies of God to bring us back to where we need to be. He'll do it. But I don't know, for me, I'd rather be where God would have me be and live life the way he would ask me to live it. And then I can know that wherever I go, I'm protected. And then finally, we have to follow his voice. Because when we follow his voice, no matter if you go in or you go out, no matter where you find yourself, you will have strength. And you will know and you will find peace. That peace that passes all understanding. Irrespective of what things look like. Irrespective of what it feels like. Irrespective if you've been there a thousand times before. This time can be different because you're following the one who leads you. And so, I think it'll be good for us to pray and then, and then we'll end. Did you get something from this morning? Um, Dear God, we humbly come before you because it's easy to say follow, it's easy to say just listen, but it's not so easy to, to do it when for all our lives we haven't done so. God, we want to be where you would have us be. We want to live the life that you have prescribed for us to live. An abundant life. Where no matter where we find ourselves, we find peace and we find rest in you. That through the storms of life, we can have peace. God, will you show us? God, will you help us? And for those of us that, that are... Are hurting comfort us God let us know your love passage says I um, what does it say it says I pray that you would have strength on the inside to know how high and how wide and how deep is the love of God why why do we need strength We need strength because sometimes life is going to not look like you love us. But God, help us to know your love. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.